0: Good morning, and welcome everyone to this first service of the new year, and welcome everybody watching online also. I'll read this week's reading from Rays of the One Light. These are commentaries, parallel commentaries from the Bible and Bhagavad Gita to show the unity of spiritual consciousness all around the world as expressed through these two great scriptures. This is at the heart of silence, the eternal word. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda in the Gospel of Saint John chapter 1, these immortal lines appear. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Human vision beholds individuality and separation everywhere. Divine vision beholds the oneness of cosmic vibration, of which all things, no matter how diverse, are manifestations. Cosmic sound, the Word of God, and cosmic light. These are eternal. The world as revealed to us by our senses is illusory. In Autobiography of a Yogi, Paramahansa Yogananda relates an early experience he received of the divine aspect of reality. Sitting on my bed one morning, I fell into a deep reverie. What is behind the darkness of closed eyes? This probing thought came powerfully into my mind. An immense flash of light at once manifested to my inner gaze. Divine shapes of saints sitting in meditation posture in mountain caves formed like miniature cinema pictures on the large screen of radiance within my forehead. Who are you? I spoke aloud. We are the Himalayan yogis. The celestial response is difficult to describe. My heart was thrilled. Ah, I long to go to the Himalayas and become like you. The vision vanished, but the silvery beams expanded in ever-widening circles to infinity. What is this wondrous glow? I am Ishwara. I am light. The voice was as murmuring clouds. I want to be one with thee. Out of the slow dwindling of my divine ecstasy, I salvaged a permanent legacy of inspiration to seek God. Wise are we if we meditate on that experience of Yogananda's and salvage from it even a breath of his inspiration. For quite simply, there is nothing else. As the Bhagavad Gita says in the seventh chapter, I make and unmake this universe. Apart from me, nothing exists, O Arjuna. All things like beads of a necklace are strung together on the thread of my consciousness and are sustained by me. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh.
1: Good morning everyone. I also want to extend my welcome to all of you and to all of you who have overcome the flu and everything that's been plaguing us but it's so nice to begin the new year together. So let me begin by reading from Whispers from Eternity. The other day when we had Master's birthday celebration we read From, we read a poem of his, When I Am Only a Dream. And in it, he says, If you want to feel me near, read my whispers from eternity. Silently, I will talk with you through them. So let's do this. This is a prayer demand to the holy vibration for omnipresence. Oh, holy vibration, boom on the shores of my consciousness. Break the limiting boundary of my body consciousness. Reverberate through my body, mind, and soul, and through my surroundings, through all the cities and lands of this earth, through all the planets, throughout the universe, and every atom particle of creation. Unite my consciousness with thy cosmic consciousness. So we have three themes this morning that we're going to be weaving together. We have the new year, which we're all beginning. We have Master's birthday, our Guruji's birthday, which we celebrate on January 5th when he was born. And then we also have this reading that Jyotish just read, which is the reality, the ultimate reality of the cosmic vibration, the sound of Om, the word, and cosmic light. These are the base realities. And everything else, the world of the senses, is illusory. So let's weave these three things together, shall we? So, first of all, our guru, in the very first sentence of Autobiography of a Yogi, gives us the hint of how to proceed. He said, the characteristic features of the Indian culture have long been the search for ultimate verities and the concomitant, the related, disciple-guru relationship. And so what he's saying, and the rest of the autobiography is really just a demonstration of that sentence, that the deepest level we can approach life is to search for what's true for ultimate verities the cosmic sound of om the cosmic light shining behind everything and to and in order to achieve that to deepen our attunement deepen our disciple guru relationship and here we are at the new year And everybody makes resolutions. Everybody sets goals. Everyone says, I'm going to change this and I'm going to change that. But how do we do it? I mean, you don't have to have lived very long. You don't have to have made many New Year's resolutions to realize that they don't last too long. And why is that? Because we're picking them up from the wrong end. No matter how strong our willpower is, as long as we are identified with the physical body, with the mind, with the emotions, as long as we're identified and attached to these, how can we change them? Because we cling to them. But it's only through the grace of the guru that we begin to identify with the own vibration, with the cosmic light, that we begin to see it in the eyes of our friends, in the smile of a child, in a little bird pecking on the ground, in a beautiful flower. When We, can, we begin to, through the grace of the guru, we begin, the hold of limited identification begins to diminish. And the more we can do that, then the changes happen almost by themselves, really. And we have so many beautiful examples from Autobiography of a Yogi. We have some new people here with us today and online. If you haven't read Autobiography of a Yogi, it, it's the most powerful scripture of our time. In every page, If you just had one page of that book, it would be enough to take you to freedom. And so let's look at all the things that are limitations that we try to change and see what happens in Autobiography of a Yogi. First, there's superficial changes in the physical body. I want to gain weight. I want to lose weight. I want to whatever it might be. And here we have this story of in the guru disciple relationship, where Sri Teshwar, master's guru, had been very ill and he lost a lot of weight. and he comes to his guru, Lahiri Mahashaya, and Lahiri says, "Oh you have you have been making yourself ill. You don't look well." And and Lahiri Mahashaya, the Guru, says to the Yuteshwar, the disciple. I think tomorrow you will be feeling much better. And tomor- the next day comes, and Shrikteshwar is in fact feeling much better, and he comes to his guru, and here he said, Oh, you have made yourself well now. He said, But you never know. <laughs> tomorrow you may feel worse again. And then he wakes up in the morning and he feels terrible. And he goes to his guru, and his guru says, Oh, today you have made yourself unwell. And Shrikteshwar says, Essentially, stop playing with me, master. <laughs> he said, you, It's not just if I think this way or I think that way. And, Shri, and Lahiri says, Yes, it is. The mind is the most powerful tool, and you have been thinking yourself unwell. You can change it in a minute. And in an instant, Shrikteshwar gained, in a moment, gained all the weight he had lost. And he walked back to his home, and his mother said, what has happened to you? Have you come down with dropsy? I don't really know what dropsy is, but (laughs) I guess you get swelled up. I don't know. But in any case, we try so hard to change these things. Grace of the guru, in a minute, instantly it changes. And then when there's serious illness, and I'm not saying, believe me, that through the grace of the guru, we will all live in perfect health always. That's not our karma. And we may. the lessons we need to learn in this life may come through bad health. And that, we need to accept them. But we need to understand they are not the ultimate reality, no matter what diagnosis we have. And so Master, as a young boy, had terrible stomach problems, dyspepsia, and it plagued him chronically, and Sri Teshwar just looked at him and said, "That's enough of your tonics. That's over." And in an instant, he was healed of years and years of suffering. And a master goes on to say in autobiography that Sri Yukteswar instantaneously healed people, his disciples, of ominous illnesses, diabetes, epilepsy, paralysis. Instantly they were healed. What is that? It's because the receptive soul can tune in to the flow of grace that the great enlightened masters bring into this world. And then maybe the another thing that seems like an insurmountable barrier, death. <laughs> well, how many times in the autobiography do they talk about the master's resurrecting the disciples. In the Bible, Jesus, who is one of our line of masters, he goes to the home of Lazarus, who is dead. Now, Lazarus wasn't just a random person. He was the brother of Mary and Martha. The whole family were disciples. And so Lazarus... Jesus walks up to the tomb. Those of you who have been to the Holy Land, we had the opportunity You go into that tomb, and it's charged with energy. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And he just gets off his deathbed. The guru raised him from the dead. Master raised people from the dead. So the body, the little changes, the big changes, the great change, these are all things that can be, they're not the final word. You know, some years ago, there was a wonderful member who lived here. Her name was Happy Winninghab. And she was diagnosed with AIDS. And this was at a time when they didn't have much medical uh, techniques and things to deal with it. And it was pretty much a death sentence. And and, uh, the doctor told her maybe she had a few months to live. And she came back and she told Swamiji... And she said, Swami, I've received the diagnosis of AIDS. And he said, don't identify with that diagnosis. Do everything you can, but don't identify with it. And she went on to live seven more years and won many. She became an educator for uh, AIDS uh, to schools and people who were diagnosed with it, and she won many awards for the work she did in helping others. But how did she do it? She didn't identify with it. She didn't say, I am a person with AIDS. She just said she changed her whole life. She began meditating many more hours every day, energizing regularly, just focusing her life on attuning to the flow of grace from the guru. And she... Just as an aside, I remember when we had her astral ascension ceremony, she had asked me if I would do it. And this whole temple and the whole dining room were filled with people, not even from Ananda, who residents, people whose lives she had touched. It was so beautiful, so beautiful. But she didn't say, I am a person with emotional problems or mental problems or physical problems. She just said, the grace of the guru is with me. And then finally, in our spiritual search, we all feel, well, maybe those other people will find God, but I don't know about me. You know, I, I, the thought came to me, and I might write a blog about it, that the title would be, Feeling Spiritually Inadequate, Good for You. Laughter. Because that's what motivates us. When we get complacent, when we think, well, I don't really need to meditate. I'm really, you know, just fine. That's the death of the devotee. But when you say, I'm really struggling with meditation. I can't concentrate for more than two minutes. It motivates you to try, to try. But then, again, in autobiography, we read Master is meditating. He's in his Guru's ashram, young man, and he's trying to meditate. And of course, there's that that fantastic scene where Sri Teshwar, his guru, calls him, Makunda! And he doesn't want not try to meditate. He doesn't come down. And again, Sri Teshwar calls sternly, Makunda! And he kind of self-justifying. He, I mean, these are avatars. It's a play for all of us. You know. <laughs> They're all perfect. But he calls him, Master, I'm meditating! And Sri Teshwar says, I know how you are meditating with your mind scattered like leaves in the wind. And then the Master came down rather ashamed and stood before Sri Teshwar and he said, Today your heart's desire will be fulfilled through the intercession of the Guru. And he touched him gently on the chest. And of course, he had the wonderful experience of cosmic consciousness. And he became identified, not with the Makunda, not with any, the man who had been upstairs trying to meditate, just with the light, the divine light behind it all. And there is a beautiful quote from I hold this up because two wonderful people here make these calendars every year. Every page is a quote from Autobiography of the Yogi. And this one was from last year's calendar but I saved it and so this is an important point after Master came out of the experience of cosmic consciousness he said the cosmic vision left many permanent lessons by daily stilling my thoughts I could win release from the delusive conviction that my body was a mass of flesh and bones traversing the hard soil of matter. The breath... This is important now. If your mind's been wandering, come back. (laughs) The breath and the restless mind I saw were like storms which lash the ocean of light into waves of material forms. Earth, sky, human beings, animals, birds, trees, no perception of the infinite as one light could be had except by calming those storms of breath and restless mind. As often as I silenced these two natural tumults, I beheld the multitudinous waves of creation melt into one lucent sea, even as the waves of the ocean, their tempests subsiding, serenely dissolve into unity. Isn't that beautiful? And so, what do we get from this? Because we've been talking about the guru-disciple relationship and how that's how the grace flows. But we have to do our part. We have to make our resolutions. Then we, So there's three steps. We make our resolutions. We attune and draw the grace of the guru. And they help us. Teshwar touched him he gave him that release but then Master had to keep coming back to that experience how did it happen? by stopping the breath and the restless mind and as often as I did that I could re-enter so it's just like if you have a, a master teacher in anything piano, dance, the arts sports, whatever it might be they work with you and you say oh wow that's really great and then they leave and you think, how did they do that? But you have to inwardly come back to the experience of the touch of the guru's grace in every instance where you have felt it. And, and so it's not like we just say, okay, it, he blessed me and I'm free. No, they bless you so that you understand what it feels like, what it tastes like, what it appears to be. And then you can return to that land of unalloyed freedom and joy. And so, in this coming year, let's look at where we want to go. Draw the grace of the guru. Remember what that grace feels like. And then just identify, not with the limitations, but with who you really are Swami Kriyananda would often walk into a room, and these were in the early years of Ananda, when all of us were just brand new devotees. We didn't know anything. We hadn't experienced much. But he would walk into a room, and he would say, Good morning, all you great souls. And we would kind of turn around to see who would come in. But he was talking to us. And he never let us forget that that's how he saw us. And he never... We knew him for many, many years, as many others in this room have as well. We were not unique in that by any means. But he never related to any of us except in the very highest that we were. And I saw him do this with everyone. He never in any way Demeaned or judged or uh, tried to joke about who you were. He only saw, he held up for us unfailingly, unceasingly, the highest that we were, so we could feel what that felt like and we could grow towards it and we could become it and we could make it our own. So I don't think it's by chance that Master was born at the beginning of the year because he's saying, come, let us start anew. Take my hand. We will go forth together. We will awaken into our true selves, one with God's light, with God's sound, with God's love.